we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Johnny Mac with your daily comedy news. James Corden said, here's a big story, especially if you got the Johnson & Johnson one-and-done vaccine. Dr. Fauci is now saying that FDA data shows the Johnson & Johnson vaccine should have been two shots. I mean, come on, it was right there in the name. Colbert said, for both Pfizer and Moderna, the recommendation is that after six months, people over the age of 65 who have pre-existing conditions should get a booster. But for Johnson & Johnson, the panel recommends boosters for people 18 and older, and it can be given two months after the first shot. Cool. Hey, you know when the information would have come in handy? Two months after the first shot. James Corden said, in related news, the FDA has asked Johnson & Johnson to rename its No More Tear shampoo to, legally speaking, probably a few tears. Jerry Seinfeld was asked which was the hardest scene to film on Seinfeld without laughing. He said, possibly my favorite episode, season three's The Library and Jerry's confrontation with Philip Baker Hall's Lieutenant Bookman. That's the library cop who's come to Jerry's apartment to grill him about an extremely late copy of Tropic of Cancer. Let me get half-ass angry Jerry Seinfeld impression here to say Jerry's lines. Jerry said, It was just so ridiculous. He was interrogating me in my own apartment about a book. I just kept cracking up. So that scene we see is made up of about eight different takes when we shot it. We took the pieces that worked and put it together because I messed up that one a ton. From Yahoo, Bobcat Goldthwait has a new documentary. It's called Joyride. Bobcat's been doing a lot of press. He talked about his original Bobcat persona. You know, the one where he was like, ah, ah. He talked to Syracuse.com and said the voice, which he since retired, drew a surprising amount of criticism from Jerry Seinfeld on an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee two years ago. Seinfeld was in the car talking to Bridget Everett, a friend of Bobcat, and said, It wasn't funny, and that's why I didn't get anywhere, because a comedy you know gives an F if you're cool, if you're lame, if you're funny, you win. If you're not funny, you don't. He's not funny. That's why you had to do that stupid effing voice, because you have no effing act. Jesus, angry Jerry Seinfeld, half-assed impression. Bobcat said when he put that out there, I felt like a retired gunslinger. He called me out, and now I have to get my 45s off the wall and go into town square. I'm like, do you really want to get into crap talking with me? Are you crazy? I mean, I was one of the people that planted a flag on bashing people, and I don't even like that part of me. But it's like, all right, one more time, and I'll go meet him in the square. I'll defend people's freedom of speech even when I don't agree with what they have to say. But at the end of the day, the question is whether it's funny. When Jerry makes a homophobic joke, that's just pandering to the status quo. He's not even being edgy. I never had any axe to grind with Seinfeld. Then on a show, he went on that weird tear against me. In an interview, I saw him say that was his favorite part of the season. He's a sore winner. The trailer for Joyride shows Goldthwait talking about Seinfeld. Goldthwait previously criticized Seinfeld's 2002 movie Comedian, which was a documentary about the work that goes into being a stand-up comic, and also blasted the comedian for dating a 17-year-old girl when Seinfeld was 38. People do tend to overlook that little one. Bobcat said, 
here's this creepy Scientologist guy dating teenage girls, which I don't care about one way or another. What I find creepy is that people are convinced that he lives in that apartment and those are his wacky friends. They don't like each other. They're actors paid to pretend they like Jerry Seinfeld. He's a weird guy, but everybody thinks he's normal and I'm weird. I love this feud so much. Joyride is out on digital video on demand right now. You can get it. I had this whole other story about Bobcat and his worst moment in comedy. I think that's getting bounced to tomorrow. Let's move on. Zach Galifianakis caught up with Variety. This was at the premiere for Ron's Gone Wrong, a family movie that follows socially awkward seventh grader Barney Budowski, who receives robot Ron, played by Zach Galifianakis, for his birthday in the film's futuristic setting, owning a bebot is a status symbol among Barney's classmates, and the lonely boy is hoping that acquiring a robotic companion of his own will help his efforts to fit in. Though Barney is initially dismayed when the knockoff Bebot begins to malfunction, a true friendship eventually blossoms between the pair. During an era in which the issue couldn't seem timelier, Ron's Gone Wrong delves into the topic of social media and its effects on its young characters. Zach told Variety, I think the fact that we have to ask these questions means that we really don't know. There just haven't been enough laws, I think. Not that I'm a social critic, but my friends have told me they've been in Twitter battles with people and then they realize they're robots. The whole principle of it doesn't have a lot of validity. Yeah, didn't Jim Gaffigan get into an argument with a robot? I'm not doing a bit. Yeah, there's a whole article in Vulture from August 31st, 2020. You may recall Jim Gaffigan went off on a profanity-laced Twitter rant inspired by Donald Trump's RNC speech. I won't dive into that today, but we are talking bots. And Jim talked about how he was going back and forth with somebody, saying, I proceeded to tweet a bunch of things to her, hopefully trying to be funny and persuasive. The account told him he just lost a lot of fans. Eventually, another person on Twitter saw my series of tweets to her and informed me the woman I was tweeting at was, in fact, a bot, while equally hilarious and frightening. This was revealing to me. Zach Galifianakis said he questions the effect of other modern forms of communication, even the way we communicate through texting, even that. That's going to sound really weird and like I'm an old fogey. There's no sarcastic font. You interpret what you're reading. You don't hear my voice. I have to call people because texting to me is archaic. Even that has shifted us in a weird way in our communication. There really has been all this power shift. I think we need to be more alert to it. The movie capitalized on a lot of the issues that I think youth is facing in regards to social media, like feeling insecure. There's a lot of judgment on social media. The movie is really about finding your own and finding the importance and the value of true friendship. J.B. Smoove did not know what he was getting himself into when he was asked to race Larry David at a ski resort in 2011. What? This from the Washington Post. J.B. expected Larry David to fall in spectacular and preposterous fashion. J.B. Smoove had not skied in 10 years but figured he could get away with starting halfway down the slope in Park City, Utah, with his skis tilted together like a slice of pizza and carefully go downhill. Larry David was not having it, insisting he would start from the top of the steep hill for the charity fundraiser. What unfolded next, says J.B. Smoove, can only be described as a curb moment. Inevitably, something bad happened to David in real life, as it rarely does on the show. Larry proceeded to fall four times before he got to the bottom of the hill. You know how cartoon characters fall and roll and become a big-ass snowball? I thought Larry's going to become a snowball himself. That's how many times he was rolling down that damn hill. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, let me ask you, what would you do if you had, like, infinite time? I don't know about you. Every day I'm like, oh, wow, I could have gotten to this. I could have gotten to that. And it's important to figure out, like, what are your priorities? I really prioritize my health and make sure I find time to run. I sign up for races. I got advice from a friend who said, you don't train for the race. You race for the training, which was great advice. In the last six months or so, I've really started to focus on my mental health. I've shared lightly on and off here. My mom's been sick for four years. Uh, she came off dialysis. The clock's always running on that. I'm going to get a bad phone call one day, and that can you know really stress you out. So I'd, I'd go out for these long runs just to clear my head. 
So figure out what's important to you, make it a priority, and therapy can help you figure out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know, be the best version of yourself. It doesn't have to be that you've gone through a major trauma. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. You know, you got to say no to things sometimes. Uh, I've got awesome friends. I shared with some of my friends some of the struggles I was going through with, and everyone's like, yeah, cool, man. We got your back. Great friends. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DCN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DCN. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DCN today to get 10% off your first month. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Halloween's tomorrow. New podcast you should listen to. It's called Where the Living Meet the Dead. Robert Edgerly tells ghost stories. They're all set in Savannah. He's curated a bunch of tales that are a mixture of myths, murders, and suspense that take your imagination winding down the cobblestone streets of one of the oldest and most curious of cities, Where the Living Meet the Dead, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe you're not afraid of no ghosts. Paul Rudd is flattered to be carrying on Ghostbusters comedy legacy. How about that segue, Johnny Mac? Yes, high five. This from Inside Nova. Paul Rudd, he preys on Rick Moranis, as Paul Rudd responded to the suggestion that his character is a successor to Rick Moranis' character. Paul Rudd told Total Film, Well, if I started thinking in those terms, I'd probably get a little bit nervous because Rick Moranis is rarefied air in terms of comedians, but I certainly was aware of some of the similarities. It's incredibly flattering, first and foremost, to be given the opportunity to try and bring some of that stuff to a movie that already has a murderer's row of hilarious people existing in this world. You have to look at the material in front of you and what you do with it and push out all the lineage and weight that comes with it. Otherwise, it's easy to get bogged down. Paul Rudd is glad that Afterlife will balance the different genres in the same way as the original 1984 Ghostbusters. He said, one of the things I always thought that was cool about Ghostbusters was it's really, really funny, but it's also kind of scary, certainly for younger audiences. It doesn't fit into any one category. I would say this, the film also checks all those boxes. Saturday Night Live is off this week, so you'll just have to deal with this article. Also from the Washington Post, apparently, your home for comedy news, SNL has had seven Bidens but it is still no idea how to parody him. Kevin Nealon was the first to take on Joe Biden in a one-off sketch from 1991 that finds then-Senator Joe Biden leading the Senate Judiciary confirmation hearings of Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas. Boy, that sounds dated. Kevin Nealon doesn't attempt to transform into Biden, but is instead primarily used to anchor the sketch. It wasn't until Biden became VP that the show truly began trying to figure out how to satirize him. Over the course of the Obama administration, Jason Sudeikis played him as Cool Uncle Joe, an aggressive, fast-talking aviator sunglasses-wearing loose cannon known for both his loud guffaws and his inappropriate faux pas. Sudeikis said, It's all in the teeth. It's all teeth. Sudeikis used prosthetic chompers during his portrayals. His take was most reminiscent of The Onion, which imagined Joe Biden as Diamond Joe and the president of Vice, a blue-collar deviant who washed muscle cars on the White House lawn, sang Pearl Jam songs during security briefings, and had a leather vest-clad dude named Worm sit in for him at cabinet meetings. 
When Biden beat out many of his more progressive opponents and won the most delegates on Super Tuesday in 2020, The Onion ran the headline, Biden wondering where all this support was when he still had a functioning brain. The shift was so seismic that one of the writers responsible for Diamond Joe apologized for its creation, saying, If you ever thought of Joe Biden as a clueless but lovable clod, a well-meaning klutz who's predictable, friendly, and ultimately electable, I am in small part responsible for that image. (laughs) And I'm sorry. Instead of viciously skewering a public figure who deserves scrutiny, we let him off easy. The joke was funny, but it didn't hit hard enough. And that is your comedy news for today. All right, I got this Bobcat thing for tomorrow. This is very exciting. You don't want to miss that. So you know what you need to do. You need to follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Meet you back here tomorrow. Each week on the new podcast, The Top 11, we pick a theme and give you The Top 11. This week, it's the top 11 events of the Roman Empire. The Colosseum is a very impressive piece of architecture and engineering, but did it make the list? Find out which Roman Empire event is number one. Follow the top 11 wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Murder Weekly, dive deep into the heart of 1984 Miami where a chilling murder sets Detective Mick Reyes on a pulse-pounding chase through the luxurious shadows and the deep, dark world of black market art. Amidst the city's neon-lit decadence and a killer hiding in plain sight, follow Murder Weekly and experience a thriller that blurs the line between beauty and horror, available wherever you get your podcasts.